You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. Listen, the other day, I'm sitting there on the couch, probably like 10.30 at night, and I'm just scrolling on my phone. Scrolling, scrolling, and I'm not paying attention to anything that I'm scrolling. You know what I'm talking about? Like, where you're just kind of like, you're going through the motions because they're motions. Like, you're not, you're not registering anything. And then at one point, I get this feeling of like sudden sadness. I was like suddenly sad. And then like I had these other feelings. I was like, I'm a failure. I'm not good enough. I'm worthless. And, and, and I sat there and I was like, what made me feel this way? What made me feel like I want to throw my phone across the room? What, what's making me do that? So I'm like, I'm going to investigate. So I start scrolling back up at all the things I had mindlessly looked at. And listen, we know this. We know that social media is a highlight reel. We get it, right? But we don't know it, know it. So I'm going through and I'm looking at people's food and vacations and all the good things they're doing. But it's, that's not the thing that's bothering me. And then I get to it. And I just feel this pang of like sadness and like I'm not good enough and like second guessing myself. And it was another pastor. This pastor had like a minute clip of their video up and they had subtitles under it. And I, I like listened to this minute clip and it was good. It wasn't great, it was good. And then I looked down and there were like, you know, just a, a bunch of likes and a bunch of comments. And that was the thing that made me sad. That was the thing that made me feel like a failure. And so I sat there and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm never gonna be like this pastor because I'm not, um, I'm not hustling enough to get like my one minute sermon clips plus like my, a, a subtitle up ready to rock and roll for everybody. Like I, I, I don't have it in me to do it. And then if I did, do I really have anything to say to the point where maybe I would get this many likes or this many comments? And so then two distinct thoughts went through my head. Distinct thought number one, Jonathan, you can do better. Just hustle a little bit more and you too can be like this pastor who has all these likes on their one minute clip. And then the second thought that went through my head is just quit because you're never going to be good enough. Oh boy. It, it put me, it put me in a spot, but it's not the first time I've been in that spot, y'all. It's not the first time you've been in that spot either because the truth is, is we all look somewhere else to determine how we're doing. Every single one of us looks somewhere else to determine how we're doing. So let me ask you, where do you look to determine how you are doing? <laughs> my friend is a designer and my friend was just looking at their phone so sadly, just like I was. And I was like, what's wrong? And she was like, <laughs> she was like, I'm never going to create a font as good as this one. And then she shows me and I was like, oh. Like, you know, I don't even know what I'm looking at. But my designer people out there, y'all know what you're looking at. And you feel that too, right? Where do you go to determine how well you're doing? Space is huge here, right? And so maybe we're not looking at like yards and like houses like the suburbs. But y'all, we look at other people's spaces to determine how we're doing. Look at them. They don't need roommates, which means they're doing pretty well. I wish I was doing as well as them. Or they have outdoor space. Oh, wow, that's really nice. Ooh, they live a block from the subway. Like, those are the, the types of things that we think. We're like, they must be doing something right, right? Because we're not doing that well. Where do you look 
to determine how well you are doing. It's Valentine's Day, and I know that so many of us use relationships as a gauge to determine how well they're doing. I'm this old and I thought I'd be in a relationship now, this is ridiculous, or I thought I'd, I'd be partnered up at this point, or I can't believe I'm still having to date at this point, dating sucks, I wish I could be like people who didn't have to date, and, and, and we sit there and we compare ourselves to people who have, have significant others, uh, or for that matter, people who don't have significant others, right? And on this day especially, we do that, and where do we look to determine how well we're doing when it comes to our relationships? And I just wanna say it real quick, it's hard. Dating is hard. This is not easy. So if you're feeling that way today, be compassionate on yourself. It's okay. Truly, it's okay. But where else do we go? I have kids, so this is an issue that maybe some of y'all don't have. In fact, right now, those of you who are watching and you do have kids, give yourselves a pat on the back. You're doing it. Because I compare myself to people who have kids all the time, and my kids are always on their phone, and they're always awake, and they never go to bed, and they never leave the house, and they're always playing games like Roblox and Adopt Me. I don't even know what that means, but they're doing that. And I, I, I compare myself to the other parents who their kids aren't on their phones all day, and they do get time away, and, and I'm not good enough, and you know this is where I'm looking to determine how well I'm doing. This is the bottom line. We are... We are a people who look towards others to determine how well we're doing. Now, before you get upset with yourself, don't get upset with yourself. We get this naturally. We get this honestly. And as you know, I love to talk about our brains. And so I'm going to talk about our brains again. You see, our brains are set up to create comparison. Because at one point in our history, at one point in our evolutionary process, it was a good thing to compare to other people. Comparison was good. Think about it. You were there and somebody was like, um, oh my gosh, look at them. They're able to um, grow enough food and they won't starve. So maybe we should all start growing our own food too. So we won't starve, right? Comparison keeps us alive. Oh, look at them. They didn't get killed by that animal. In fact, they killed the animal. Maybe we should be like them. Again, survival, right? Oh, look, they took those herbs and now they're not sick anymore. Maybe we should take those herbs. There was a point in which comparison allowed our genes to pass on to from generation to generation to generation. We can all thank those brains for the fact that we're here. Those brains that, that, that compared themselves to others are the reason that we're alive today. But the truth of the matter is this. What was once helpful for us, comparison, is no longer helpful for us. In fact, it hasn't been helpful for us for some time. And so instead, we live in the land of Ur. Now, what is the land of Ur? Now, I got to give credit to a corny yet effective pastor named Danny Stanley, who says the land of Ur is when we look at someone else and say, oh my gosh, they're healthier, they're prettier, they're wealthier, they're superior. And we look at those folks in the land of Ur, and what we do is we don't say, I can't get there. What we end up saying is, I should be there. I should be healthier, wealthier, prettier, superior. I should be in that situation, and I'm not. Therefore, something's wrong with me. No, something's not wrong with you. Your brains are doing a number on you. In fact, I want to read you this. This is from the writer Justin Sebastian, and he breaks it down for us. And he says this. He says, in the early 1980s, a particular scientist found out that the left brain takes information and makes up a story. Here's how it works. 
a thing happens, re we react, we feel something about it, and then we go on to explaining it. Sensory information feeds into an explanatory module and our brains become the storyteller, okay? We've all experienced this. Remember the time you sent a text to a crush and they did not respond for a while. The left brain, the storyteller, spins out hundreds of stories questioning our worthiness and lovability. Y'all have been there before? I know I have. You see it at work too. A dismissive glance from a coworker can turn into, it can turn into I, didn't, I knew she didn't like me. The narrative part of the brain takes everything we perceive and turns it into a story that makes sense. And our brains do not care about factual accuracy or evidence. The story is often based on incomplete information and filled with cognitive biases. Okay, so let me give you an example of how comparison and our brain chemistry affect us. Let's take, for example, say wealth. Now, I know that nobody watching today has any problems comparing their wealth to the wealth of another. Eh, we'll give it an example anyway, won't we? Um, so when we think about wealth, what our brains have done, especially here in America, in a capitalist society, is our brains have created a story. And the story says that if you are wealthy, you are morally superior. You are blessed. You must have done something right. You must be a hard worker. You must be innovative. You must not be lazy, right? These are the stories that we've told ourselves. It has nothing to do with greed, right? Or has nothing to do with, with um, unethical ways of living. No, it has everything to do with hard work and value and making sure that you're, you're working the best you can. And on the flip side, we've created a narrative that has said, if you are poor, it must be because you are amoral. It must be because you have some sort of moral deficiency. And I keep saying this in every one of these messages. This is the reason that we'll never get upset at the rich. It's why those of us who are working class will always look at those below us and get mad at those below us because those below us, they have the moral deficiency. And so if they have the moral deficiency, they're the ones hurting us. They're the ones taking our jobs. They're the ones coming into our country, so on and so forth. We never look up at the, the wealthy and say they're the ones that are hurting us through loopholes and not paying taxes and all the rest because we believe, we've told ourselves a story that they are morally upright. Do you see how this false dichotomy works? Do you see how our brains are constantly tricking us? And I want to read this next part because what happens is when we tell ourselves these stories, we tell ourselves these stories and our um, leading, the leading way in which we tell them, the leading um, feelings that we feel when telling these stories are always fear and anxiety. Now back to Justin Sebastian. He says, fear was one of the most advantageous survival traits for our ancestors in the savannah. When you hear the roar of a lion, fear takes over your mind and helps you run for safety. So the genes that prioritized fear and anxiety survived while the genes that prioritized positive emotions extinguished itself from the gene pool. What we are left with is a fearful, anxious mind that is always on the lookout for the next incoming danger. And in the case of comparison, danger is not being wealthy enough, pretty enough, good enough, thus jeopardizing one's survival. This is why we're living in the land of Ur, y'all, because our brains are tricking us, leading with fear and anxiety, telling us false narratives that reaffirm the idea we're not good enough and that other people are always going to be way better. Okay, breathe. 
you know, give yourself a pat on the back. We're all going to be okay. In fact, Jesus tells us we're going to be okay. And you know I'm going to talk about Jesus right now. In fact, we're going to talk about the Sermon on the Mount because this Sermon on the Mount, this B series, has in some ways become a little bit of a, a self-help series for us. That's what Jesus is trying to do for the people who are listening. They're incredibly poor, the people who are listening. I say this all the time. They had to give away about 80% of their earnings to the Roman Empire. They literally do not know where they're going to get their next meal. And what they see is they see the religious who have sided with the Roman Empire. Those religious folks are doing rather well. In fact, they have a lot of money. And so what do people start to think? Do they start to blame the Roman Empire? Do they start to blame those rich religious teachers? No, they don't blame them. Of course not, because we've created these narratives, right? They blame themselves. And in blaming themselves, they're also living in the land of Ur. I'm not religious enough. I'm not praying enough. I'm not fasting enough. I'm not giving enough, right? They start to say those things. You know, if, if I could just be a better giver, if I could be a better faster, if I could be, you know, a, a better prayer, I'd be more superior. That's where they're at. And when Jesus is preaching this sermon, Jesus knows this. And so what Jesus does is Jesus speaks directly to those who have created this comparison narrative. And he says, to all of you who have created this comparison narrative where you think you're not as good as, I'm going to tell you something. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. And when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites too, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. And so what Jesus is doing is he's saying, hey, we see you making those comparisons. And we see this false narrative that you've created that says that you are not as good as them, that God is not blessing you in the same way because you do not have what they have. And I'm here to tell you that it's a lie. In fact, when, when Jesus says, hey, they're going to get their reward in full, it's just a nice way of saying they're going to get what's coming to them, right? And what Jesus does is he starts off with the word righteousness. That's what Jesus does. Jesus is working from a place where he is saying to the poor and oppressed audience that they do not have to compare themselves to others because they are already righteous. They are already loved. They are already children of God. That's a nice thing. That's a good thing, especially for some of us listening today. Because some of us listening today have been told that we're not loved. We've been told that we're not children of God. We've been told that we're not okay, that we do have a moral deficiency, and that we should compare ourselves to others who are maybe more religious or who maybe have learned and turned away from X sin or whatever the case may be. And Jesus says, that's all a lie. The place that you start from is knowing that you are a child of God. And I love the way that Paul says it. I'm going to read it. I'm jumping a little bit. Paul says, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to childship. So what's happening here is, is Paul is saying what Jesus is saying, which is, hey, you don't have to like make this whole play around the law. You don't have to fast out loud, pray out loud, give out loud. Know that you are already adopted as a child of God. Now, I love this term adopted, because adopted does not mean what we think it means. Adoption in the first century looked way different. In fact, in the first century, rarely adopted children, 
sadly because children died often. I know, it's kind of sad. You adopted adults though. Isn't that odd? You adopted adults and it was a common practice. Do you know why you adopted adults? When you were adopting adults for a good thing, you were doing it because they had a unique gift or a unique way about them or, or something that was attractive about them that made them adoptable. Okay, that's what they had. In fact, one of the best